Mmm. Mmm. Yeah. Yeah. What you what you got there? I do enjoy a good crisp, Robin. Um, do you like crisps? I yeah, generally. Like, what kind of crisp are we talking about, though? The kind that are called chips in America. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, you know, you know what chips actually are in England? Potato chips. Those kinds of chips? Is that what we're talking well, about? Well, when English people say chips, right. do you know what they mean? Um, I think they mean fries. Aha. Yeah. But actually, fries exist in England as well, and they are not chips. What? So what chips are is they're actually like, traditionally, they're like sliced chunks of potato. Mm-hmm. And if you order chips, you know, like your classic English fish and chips... Mm-hmm. then you that they're, they're much fatter and they're not reconstituted like fries like you know them in america they're like powdered potato that's been reconstituted really but in england a chip is like it's a real it's a real chunk of potato is it shaped so, like an american fry but just fatter or is it it's, like it's a- fatter and usually shorter and chubbier so it's like and a they, fry instead of lengthwise they cut it like widthwise. Yeah, but it's not it's not like wide it's not like pan fries. Okay. It's it's its own <laughs> cut of potato and furthermore mm-hmm. it doesn't English chips don't usually quite have that kind of like like <laughs> even when fries aren't breaded they kind of have that breaded crunch around them. Mhm. And a lot of English chips are a bit more soggy. Mhm. Hmm. So, okay. Are they anyway, good? is that what are you eating then? <laughs> uh, well, I was eating crisps, and crisp are potato chips in America. <laughs> Roger, Roger. Now you're okay. getting it. Okay, because it sounded like a, a potato chip, but I will call them crisp for this episode. Good forensic here, that Robin. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised you eat crisp. I don't think I've ever seen you do that. Yeah, I've kind of been on a kick lately, to be nice. honest. Very yeah, I don't usually. Oh, you know what makes me cringe, though? Hmm. They have tortilla chips in England, but they call them tortilla crisps. It's just wrong. <laughs> that seems natural, right? I mean, yeah. you just hold me that. It's a natural extension, but it's just wrong. Don't oh, do it. Interesting. They're tortilla chips, man. Just, uh, <laughs> one, of, one of the many reasons I don't live in the UK anymore. <laughs> But speaking All of, of my reason visions. I don't live in the UK, welcome mm-hmm. to the Winner Winner PUBG <laughs> Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Arjuna. I'm one of the other hosts, Robin. Have fun editing that opening segment there, Robin. Yeah. (laughs) Uh. Snip, 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 (laughs) snip, chip, snip. Welcome. (laughs) Yep. Um, So, yeah. But I I do... You know, PUBG is developed by... Well, it's developed by various people all over the world. But Brandon Green is an English person, so... Mm. Mm. You know, it's good to know your chips from your crisps, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Okay. So today, what are we talking about today? None other than 
one of my very favorite topics, which uh, it's been a long time in the making.、Mm-hmm. And it's just basically because it's such a big topic. And that is winning solos. You know, I, th- I, I think of the solo win as kind of the gold standard in PUBG. You know, when people are like, oh, yeah, I have, you know, 50 squad wins and no solo wins. I'm、mm-hmm. like, shh.、Mm-hmm. That kind of makes、you、me、know. feel bad, actually. I haven't had a solo <laughs> win in, in quite a while, <laughs> come to think of it. Well, I mean, you know, me neither, but I, I haven't really been playing. But yeah, yeah. But I just feel, I don't know, I feel like, I feel like if you can't prove yourself, On the grounds in solos, then I feel like that there's, there's something there, you know?、Mm-hmm. There's, there's... All right. Yeah. I agree. I agree. I think whenever I get a win in squads, I'm like, meh. And, and, and I definitely think mo- most other people I play with feel the same way. <laughs> When we win in squads, it's like, cool, good job. Next game. Like, we, it's not yeah,、really、like a huge thing, right? We're not like, It's still fun and it's still, it gets my blood going a little bit, but not quite as much as Solos does. Yeah. And I, I think that that just reflects the fact that I think it's just a lot easier to get lucky in squads or so many squads are kind of haphazard and they just get mopped up. And so I just, I don't think it's that challenging. Like if I have a long night of playing squads, I kind of expect to get one or two dinners, right?、Mm-hmm. Um, and on a good night, even more. Whereas with solos, you know, it's like, I don't know, man. It, I don't expect to get, I don't just expect in any given session I'm going to get a solo win.、Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, so, so we're going to go in depth about that. And I'm just going to download my various thoughts on what you should and shouldn't be doing to win、okay. more solos. And I'll interject、yeah. terrible ideas every now and then to balance <laughs> it out. As is your want. <laughs> And, but yeah, before we get into that,、uh, why don't we just cover? There's been a couple of interesting things on the PUBG and Battle Royale front.、Mm-hmm. So I'm excited to talk about that too. First one is that it's been officially announced that PUBG is coming to the PS4 in December. Whoa. So, yep. Wow. Specifically December 7th. That's so funny because I just sent. My old computer to my nephew so that he could play with me. And、nice. he just got it all set up. And ne- like we played Rainbow Six together. Now we could have just played on his PlayStation 4. Actually, I don't know if, it, if it's inner platform though.、Mm. But I think, what do they call that? Yeah, cross platform. Cross platform or cross play. Yeah. The impression I get is that PS4 is a little more amenable to cross play, but. That is just an unschooled impression. Like, for example, Fortnite,、Amen. you know,、mm-hmm. Fortnite went cross play on the PS4. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's big news. Who knows? I just have no idea, like, what version of the game is going to hit the PS4 and what shape it's going to be in and what the development cycle is going to be like. So,、mm-hmm. just totally、mm-hmm. in the dark. All right.、That. Well, just, that's just going to add another 40 minutes to our podcast. You know,、totally. we'll have our Xbox corner and our PlayStation corner. Hopefully,、yep. it starts in a state that's similar to where Xbox is at currently.、Um, yeah, that would be nice.、Mm-hmm. But shit,、oh. that's like a, a whole nother fan base that might be coming into the sphere.、Mm-hmm. So, yeah, get yourselves ready, Discorders. Now, you know what would be really cool, though, is if they started on the PS4. 
like where the Xbox originally started. And then the PlayStationers could just like go through the episodes that we released in the past and just kind of be on track. No, what we'll do is we'll re-release those episodes and just like change the titles and splice in, <laughs> you know, do some deep learning algorithm to, yeah. to splice in uh, PlayStation wherever we say Xbox. That's, <laughs> of course, we need deep learning for that. Nice. Mm-hmm. You know, just we just get better and better here on the Winner Winner Podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so it's uh, so okay. Now tell me this: you've been playing some BF Five lately. I have. Yep. BFE. Yeah. How's that been going? It's fun. I really like it. Um, it's smooth. It performs well. It's spectacular and beautiful. Um, I've been doing a lot of the infantry focused gameplay and I really enjoy sniping in that game. It's, mm. it's very gratifying, um, and very viable. Um, the, the bolt action rifles are super fun. Um, but yeah, it's like, it's classic squad play carnage, you know, and it's just, it's like, go, go, go. Shit is blowing up everywhere. There's bullets everywhere. It's a much faster pace, um, kind of war zone feel. And mm. yeah, I kind of miss that. It's it's one of those games that it would kind of work, even if you're still focused on PUBG, it would work to jump into that to kind of hone um, fast reactions and aim and things like that. But it does it has quite a different feel from PUBG. I'll say that. Um, the mechanics are roughly similar. I mean, it's aim down sight. You know, bolt action rifles per- perform basically the same. But it's a little quicker. Everything, it's not as fast as Black Ops 4 in terms of movement and ADS and all of those things. But um, the actions generally do unfold a little more quickly. Well, maybe we'll call that like metabolic rate. I don't know. It's just it's faster. <laughs> I like um, that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's somewhere between COD and PUBG, I'd say, um, in terms of the kind of gameplay pace. Or, or metabolic rate and yeah it's I've, I've been enjoying the hell out of it i can't wait to see what they do with the battle royale mode um yeah it's i i'm kind of afraid that it's they're gonna botch it for some reason i don't mm. know how they would do that but it's just it it's a hard mode to pull off well it's just it's kind of hard for me to imagine weapons just lying around in a battlefield environment and i'm thinking about the maps i've played so far and imagining like where like the way settlements and things like that are distributed is is um it doesn't really seem amenable to that mode um from what i've seen but maybe they'll have battle royale specific maps they probably will that that would make the most sense um Hmm. but they have big maps in play right now that might work i don't know we'll see we will yeah. see. Oh. But it's it's crazy. It's they've introduced a lot of really cool stuff, um, like building little defenses and ammo supplies and med supplies and um so it's a little more engaging in a way. Like if you're just sitting around waiting for the enemy to come attack, there's a lot that you can be doing, um, in terms of building defenses and um just well, mostly just that. <laughs> But right. I, I really I miss that like go 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 squad play, um, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm I'd love to play with more people because right now I just have uh, one friend that I've been playing with, and yeah. So if there's any any of y'all out there, um, definitely 
that are playing Battlefield Five, hit me up, and I'd love to squad up with some people and get a full squad going. And the content makers are definitely putting out a lot of stuff too. A lot of the usuals like Fuglet and um, who else? Acculite, um, mm. Tomographic, even Wacky Jackie. I didn't think we'd really? see Wacky Jackie playing it. Yeah. Wow. But he's even been, there's some like chatter between him and Fuglet about playing together and Fuglet's been playing with Acculite and it's it's great. It's fun. <laughs> it's fun to watch. Yeah, so yeah. I'm glad they're doing that. Yeah, the European Bro Brigade. Mm-hmm. Love it. You know, isn't it funny how like Canada almost feels like the long lost European nation? <laughs> yeah. It's like, I feel like the Canadians are always kind of like, uh, I, we're with them, you know? Yeah. <laughs> we're not with these yahoos I down south. Can't blame them, to be yeah. honest. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Neither can I, man. Mm-hmm. I guess we Neither can claim can Cascadia, you know. Maybe I'll start doing that. I'll get the like fur tree tattoo and succeed my soul. Oh, dude, Cascadia forever. Mm-hmm. Or you know, the state of Jefferson. Mm, right. Whichever right. you prefer. Yeah, I definitely yeah. prefer Cascadia. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> is that like a reference to Thomas Jefferson? What is that? Yeah, yeah, people have just, I think maybe it's because Washington is like one of the states in the geographic region that people are talking about would be Jefferson, and they've, there just isn't a state named after Thomas Jefferson, so mm. that's been thrown out as like a, you know, a possible name for a hmm. new American Northwest state. It's just ironic, because as a North, as a state, not as its own country. Yeah, actually, that's that's a good point. I don't really know the answer to that. If it would okay. be like the nation of Jefferson. I've always imagined it just being like, uh, oh, you know, I'm okay. It's all coming back to me now. I feel like the state of Jefferson might be a redrawing of state lines, yeah. which, which like seeds some of Northern Oregon to Washington and then claims some of Northern California. Yep. That's, I just Googled it. That's exactly yep. what it is. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Oh God, so. what a nightmare that would be. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, be like, boy. You never know, man. It could be really cool. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, I don't, I, if I talk any more about this, I'm going to get political. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to back off. Back all right. Off. All right. Back, okay. back away from the window, Rob. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, BF5 sounds intriguing. And, you know, clearly another venerated and longstanding uh, series in shooters so yeah i i'll definitely go watch some videos i knew that it was releasing but it's just not been on my brain you know mm-hmm. so i'll go and watch some videos and yeah. see what it's, it's all about it's still technically in early access but it's a mm, full okay. release for a privileged few it's actually tons of people playing it but i <laughs> i went ahead and bought some like origin subscription that gives me access to all origin games and wow. in- including early access to whatever they publish, so I can play. And nice, mm-hmm. it's pretty cool. Good shit. I'm expecting a kickback origin. We're saying that. Just saying. <laughs> Did are they the developer behind Titanfall? I think they are. Mm, well, if <clears throat> I don't honestly know if Origin's even a developer. Oh, or they're just a platform. Like just yeah. 
Yeah, I'm pretty sure that Titanfall, or at least Titanfall 2, is released on Origin. No shit. But that's good news. Because I, I think I've so. heard that's one of like the best games ever. It's amazing. I mean, it's so good. Yeah, and and when Titanfall 3 comes out, man, you'll get early access. And You mm, played you played Titanfall 2. I did. Yeah, no it was really way. good. And like you're saying the campaign was really good or the multiplayer? Yeah, I, I didn't play much of the multiplayer, although the multiplayer does seem like it would be very fun. Mm-hmm. But the campaign was like one of the better single-player campaigns I've ever played. Wow. Now, unfortunately, the enemy AI is just garbage. I mean... Well, then what's fun about it? <laughs> everything else, basically. <laughs> yeah. Like the story? The story's really good. The pacing's good. Okay. The mission arcs are really good. There's this one mission where... I, I don't want to like give too much away, but there's this one mission where you basically spend the whole mission like switching between two different timelines. Whoa. Like you travel through time in the middle of the mission in the what? same, like in the same space, and you get to experience it in two totally different ways. Dude, it's, that's it's that's fucking amazing. Cool. Okay, yeah, it's it's worth it, man. Yeah, it's worth it's kind it. of like a movie gimmick, but it's not. And, and in a game, you even see a little bit of it, but it's usually like m- one mission you're in the past, one mission you're in the present, something like that. But right. to do it kind of fluent, fluidly like that is neat. Okay. It's, right. It is a very cool thing, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's on so, Origin. So there you go, man. Mm-hmm. Titanfall, people. Uh, I think it's time for us to just blast through to our main topic. What do you Let's think? Let's do it. Yeah. I don't have anything else in my on the top of my head. So. All right. So uh, sit back, open yourself a bag of crisps, and get prepared for a long Arjuna monologue because I have a lot to say about winning solos. All right. Solos, uh, like I said, it's kind of the litmus test for exactly how good at PUBG you are. I think I'm just going to go ahead and say that The first thing I want to say about solos is that I feel like you should ultimately play them the way you want to play them. So, Hmm. and that that kind of leads into my first thing I want to say about them, which is that there's no right way to play solos. Mm -hmm. And I think you would agree with that, Robin. Mm, Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that's just true. Yeah, in general. I mean, it's games are meant to be played exactly the way that people want to play them yeah you know Uh uh-huh so i was wondering i i think that occurred to me as well and but you're gonna tell us i was suspecting how to play if you want to win is that the idea yeah exactly so the information that i'm gonna give here is all designed to just maximize the chances of you actually winning the game Mm -hmm. and you know spoiler alert for a lot of people that's leads to really boring styles of play. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's not that you can't win the game and also have fun, and it's not that you can't win the game and, like, roam around looking for kills. You definitely can. But what I'm outlining here is just, like, a, some methods to try to just make sure that everything that you're doing in the game is moving you towards winning. Mm. So... Yeah, so so I'll get started here. My my broad strokes, uh, there are three main points to winning the game. The first one is surviving into the late game, making it into the top 10. Okay. So that's just 
it's a it's a thing. Uh, you you can get that many different ways, but mm -hmm. I view the game as basically <laughs> there's like three parts to the game. There's the beginning, and then it's like right when you drop, and then there's the mid game, which is by far the longest stretch of the game, as mm -hmm. the, the majority of it, like circles, you know, two through two through eight or something like that. Mm -hmm. And then and then there's the late game. <clears throat> and I think of the beginning and the end as being the really crucial parts of the game. And what you do in between is it's kind of up to you. So I'll give you some, you know, I'll give some pointers for what to do in the mid game. But but I, I think that the really crucial skills in this game to develop happen in the beginning and the end of the game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's okay. that's the first thing is you need to survive into the late game. The second thing is that once you do survive into the late game, you need to play cautiously. Mm -hmm. And you know, I'll I'll talk more about what that means. And the third point is that you just need to win your fights. There's no way around that. Mm -hmm. Um and I, I've hopped on this a lot, but I'm just gonna say it again, which is that none like none of the advice that I can give you about winning PUBG is gonna matter if you can't win your fights. Yeah. So it's one of the reasons that I encourage people to not play the game trying to win because uh, it, 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 you know, there's this tension in PUBG where like you're incentivized to basically play cautiously and not pick fights. But by playing that way, you tend to not get better or you tend to get better very much more slowly. Right. And so... That's one of the, I think it's one of the hardest things about this game is that you're always feeling incentivized to play cautiously, but then you, you just don't get in the reps that you need to be really good at winning fights. Right. So yeah. it's, it's one of the reasons I recommend that you just decide either at the beginning of your play session or at the beginning of each round, or just decide at a certain point into the round you know, is this going to be like a fun game or is this going to be a training game or is this going to be a winning game? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I have a, I have a spreadsheet to keep track of which game I'm on, actually. <laughs> nice. Okay, what, what are the statistics currently looking like? Mm, well, I do... Um, what, what, what were the categories? I want to see if they're the same as mine that you spelled out. It was like win game, practice, and was and there three fun. categories? And what? Yeah, and fun. And fun, yeah. 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 So I will do seven practice games, and then that's where I just run around like Chuck Norris. Um, <laughs> Truck then, Norris. Yeah, Gotta Truck Norris. It. And then um, <laughs> Steven Seagal is the fun. I, I just act like him for okay. fun games. And yep. I do that. So I'll do seven practice, and then I'll do two fun, and then I'll do three practice, and then I'll try to win one. Wow, and then just I one that. one tryhard game, huh? Yeah. All right. Now we we know where Robin's priorities are. Mm -hmm. Mostly just being <laughs> a boss. I I'm in it for the squad wipes, man. Yeah. I don't care about chicken. Just like <laughs> you're right, man. You know, squad wipe is definitely its own kind of chicken for mm -hmm. sure. Now we you said solos. Are we talking just solo solos? Or are we talking squad solos here? Yeah, I'm focusing on solo solos, man. Okay. I mean, squad solos is, is just like, I don't know, for the <clears throat> for the stupid 
Oh, the very valiant. <laughs> One thing I've noticed is. is when I play solo squads, I use I am a dirty player. Like yeah, I do things be. in solo squads I would never do as a squad, right? Or just mm-hmm. by myself. I just like use every trick in the book, which is and I posted a video of this where I just sat in a corner and I kn- but the thing is like I scouted out a group. I heard them shooting, I scouted them out. I looked at the circle. I knew they were going to go by this set of buildings. So I hid in them until they came to me. And then they came to me and I destroyed them like by sitting in a corner and waiting for two minutes for them to come. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's the cool thing about solo squads is it, it really does force you. It's a whole different strategy. You need to, you know, you need to play dirtier. You need to be more tricky. Mm -hmm. You... Yeah, you just need to make very different decisions than you do in right. solo solos. It's funny because I think there's this ethic out there floating around about fairness, about, well, a, a, a real pure genuine battle is I pop out from behind a tree and you pop out from behind a tree and we see each other at the same time and then it's like, who can outgun the other guy? And I don't think that's what this game's about. No, <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> I hear a lot of indignance, you know, playing with people um, when like you jump in through a window and someone's in a corner and they just blast you down. And like, I think that we need to get in the habit of congratulating people who played like that. (laughs) (laughs) You know, barring cheating, I think like oftentimes those cheap mechanics are the most successful ones, right? Mm, And it was just that often they they grabbed a building like I did or that maybe they grabbed a building in the circle in the middle and they're just waiting and granted like I think it it gets people mad because it's not a fun way to play and so it it kind of shifts the culture into this kind of like drab play style where people are are they feel pressured to kind of sit around in closets or bathrooms I guess there's no closets really they're just bathrooms Mm -hmm. and um i get that but you know it's just the way it goes well the the thing is you've got to anticipate and adjust right Mm -hmm. so this is one of my points i'll just say it now is going to make it later but which is you know there's a certain play style that i play with where i just don't go into buildings after the early game like i just stop doing it because Mm -hmm. i've gotten really really tired of getting killed by campers and mm. the the like clear a house and don't get killed by a camper game is it's really boring to me basically <laughs> i'm just like really? i've done I it love that game i've just it's done exciting. it so many times I, it's a lot more fun if you suspect someone's there and you're kind of hunting them and oh, there's this well, cat and mouse thing are you right you don't you have to suspect that they're there well that's yeah like, but that's the thing is i just get really really tired of just like rolling up to a settlement and being like okay there might be some asshole in here versus like wow. you know versus like i traded shots with this person a minute ago and i think they're yeah. around it you know that that's a much more interesting game to me i well but, but like I, if, that's if it's just to me if i walk around if i'm like going into a village in the one of the one of the last circles say there's only three settlements in the in the circle for me that the mentality is in every one of these rooms i'm about to enter there's an enemy oh yeah definitely right and i like that i like that mentality it's like like gamblers gamblers get as much 
they they've looked at their their brains when they're gambling and when you almost win you get pretty much the same rush and and endorphin activity as you do like the the pleasure centers or whatever it is what they were looking at are fired as strongly as when they do win and so mm. for me the, the excitement is i get as excited about each room i go into because there might be somebody in there and i think like i in my mind there is somebody in the corner and i turn and i'm ready to shoot and then they're not there and i'm like well still and usually i shoot anyway basically i just shoot at every corner in the game just to make sure that there's <laughs> no one there okay the old shroud trick is, yeah. is that right yeah he's he he's that. famous for doing that just like he'll just like shoot arbitrarily around corners just in case someone's oh, there. okay yeah, I was being facetious. I don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> he, yeah, he actually has. I mean, he doesn't do it all the time, but I've definitely seen him do it plenty of times. Uh huh. Yeah. No, I think it would. In in my case, I would just give myself away, and then everyone would come to me and kill me. Um, yeah, I'm not. I don't want to <laughs> do that. <laughs> well, you know that that's definitely up to personal taste again. But I I just want to encourage anyone listening that like you really don't have to ever go back in houses if you don't want to it's okay uh, and well, i've i've kind of you know there are plenty of games where i'm just like fuck that i don't want to deal with it that's not the kind of game right, i want to be playing taco that's... taco counters you because i was just oh, watching well. a video of him the other day and he's sitting in a house chaco is and aaron gall and there's a a schmo out on a hill behind a tree. And I think he's like edge of circle. He's on the far side of the tree that this bloke is from the center of the circle. So he's feeling kind of safe and he's sighting someone with a car 98 or something like that. <clears throat> and Chaco just lines up the headshot and takes him out. And Chaco's like, oh man, like that poor guy, like he wasn't doing anything wrong. The only thing he was doing wrong was not being in a house, <laughs> not being in a <laughs> building, you know, because yeah, it's a significant amount of cover, right? Being yeah. in a building versus, I, I mean, trees, I I don't recommend trees for long-term cover. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> right? That, that trees, was that was the mistake. That, and, yeah, and Sandhawk, trees on cover. They're just like momentary obstructions. It's, it's cover for what? If you're right against it, it's basically 60 degrees of cover in one direction. And, Maybe. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and you've got another 300 degrees of vulnerability. Um, yeah. yeah, you're right. Probably not even 60. Um, rocks and and sandhook offer quite a bit more, but still, it's not even 180 degrees in that case, right? Yeah. So houses, on the other hand, you have basically 360 degrees of cover minus whatever windows you're exposed to. Um, and if you're on the second floor... If you're crouched, I mean, they've got to be in the house or nade the window to get you. Mm -hmm. So, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I, I don't like being in houses. I've noticed, but I do think there's a good argument for being in them. Well, I'm definitely gonna get into the Choco Taco style of play because mm -hmm. it's a very successful style, and he he's makes a strong case for it and wins a lot with it. So, definitely don't disagree with you there. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna kick it off by giving a few other kind of broad strokes before I get into the nitty gritties. Okay. So I just want to say that 
I think of winning solos as being less about strategies than it is about guiding principles. So what do I mean by that? What I mean by that is that I think any one linear strategy that you come up with that is like you have some success with, you know, like for example, I always drop military and then I get a vehicle and drive into the center of the circle and then I mm -hmm. just keep hopping to the center of the circle, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and I just do that every game. I think that's the wrong way to play this game. Mm -hmm. And, there, you know, I, I think it's definitely good to identify a style of play that you like and to just, you know, figure out how to really hone in on that. But the problem is that when the circle doesn't go your way or when you don't get your vehicle or when you don't get your car 98 with your Forex scope or whatever, you've got to be able to deal with it. And, you know, and, and I, I just think I want to encourage people against kind of getting stuck in ruts in their play because you mm -hmm. can only improve so much when you do that. Mm -hmm. So that's the first thing is that I think there are basically a number of things that are always or almost always the right thing to do in this game. And those are the things I want to focus on is mm -hmm. these guiding principles rather mm -hmm. than like any one particular strat that I think is like going to be the best, especially since, mm. you know, all it has to shift is just metagame shifts and all of a sudden your killer strat is not a good strat anymore. Mm. Okay. So instead of being attached to an arc that you follow throughout the game, you're, you're thinking more about like nitty gritty decisions that like what you should be doing in the moment and not necessarily thinking about like, well, circle and well, um, mm, I don't know, whatever, like long game arc strat, like you were just talking, going for center of circle. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. I just, I think that like this game is all about decision making. Like, mm -hmm. I think this is maybe the most decision heavy shooter I've ever played. Mm -hmm. And it's just your decisions really matter. And so I think learning how to make good decisions is a lot more important than learning how to execute some particular linear strat. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of a lot of what I want to focus on tonight. So, um, okay, now I, I just want to debunk a few fallacies here. And I think that these are common unconscious thoughts that people have that are harmful. So the first fallacy is that you need good gear to win. Mm. And I just want to strike that one down just, I mean, it logically, if you really stop to think about it, it, it doesn't make that much sense, but also just anecdotally, like, hmm. you know, I've won solos with level three gear and an AWM and like, I've won solos, you know, the, I, I think like one of the first solos I won was with an Uzi and a mini. That's what I had. Like mm. I just scrapped the whole game that's and awesome. that's, that's how I want it, you know? <laughs> So I just like, I, I just want to encourage you to let go. I think that the quality of your gear, it matters the most in the early game. Uh, and that's just because, you know, like uh, ump versus pistol is just a terrible matchup for you, right? Mm -hmm. So if someone has, you know, if you have a pump action and someone has an AK, you know, I mean, if if you're like inside a house, then maybe you're advantaged. But in the majority of situations, you're heavily disadvantaged. And so 
you know, it, it, your gear matters a lot in the beginning of the game. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as you've kind of geared up to like some fairly reasonable, like you've got some armor, you've got an automatic weapon and stuff like that, it really evens out a lot. And then I think um, a lot of a lot of where the fancy gear really, really matters is in the mid game. Mm. Um, things like, you know, having an AWM with an eight times scope, that really matters when the circle is still thousands and thousands of meters across, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you really have an opportunity to leverage that gear, but in the late game, it's it all kind of comes back. It's almost like the beginning of the game again because, mm-hmm. you know, like a double barrel can be a really devastating late game weapon. Or I think like the ump oh. or the vector are like yeah. two of two of the best late game weapons. Yeah. You know, whereas that often, you know, depending on the map you're in, they're often considered to be fairly middling weapons, like in the mid game. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, I just I just wanna say that I think any gun that you're good with is gonna be a good gun in the late game. And and it's just because the distances are so small in the late game. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, so so gear fetishism. I mean, you know, it makes a difference. Having level three gear makes a difference. But I just want to discourage you from thinking that that's going to make the difference between winning and losing because it it really it often doesn't. Yeah, interesting. Um, I I think I just want to point out that that it confronts and conflicts with the conventional wisdom of uh, that that I witness. From, I, I guess, from watching the way that people loot and prioritize the idea of getting good stuff, and also, and I see that in the streamers I watch a lot. Um, and, and I'm thinking of Chaco Taco right now in particular. He seems to talk a lot and kind of mutter about getting a certain item that he needs. Right? Like he's he's always like, "Oh man, my, you know, my, I need a new level two vest, or mm-hmm. I need, you know, a new helmet," and he seems to kind of fixate on it when he's playing mm-hmm. and um, like, like it's kind of do or die sort of a thing. And, but I, I, I just want to point that out. And I, I think that's kind of obvious, which is maybe what makes your point a stronger point or, it, or maybe a more salient one. Um, Cause I, in a way I do, I, I don't know, man. I honestly, I started out more with the mentality that you're, you're going with right now. Mm. And then as time has gone on, just from doing the math, I've kind of veered more toward, oh, wait, no. Like, at least arm in terms of armor, armor really matters. Mm-hmm. And and guns really don't. Um, you know, play what you're good at and play what you're used to and play what you're comfortable with in terms of weapons. And, you know, I, I, I actually love that about this because I think they do a pretty good job with balancing the weapons. And um, so you can really kind of pick and... As long as you're willing to deal with some extra recoil and or, or, or use the weapons for what they're good at, um, you'll be pretty successful. You know, like I get mm. surprisingly long distance Uzi kills, and by long distance, I mean like forty yeah, or fifty man. meters. You know, <laughs> I'm with you, dude. Those those long range Uzi kills are great. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I so a counterpoint that I want to make to that is I I agree. I mean, everything matters in the game. I'm not saying that level three armor is not substantially better than any of the other armor or anything like that or or that Mm -hmm. you know you're not your game's not going to be noticeably improved by having that vertical foregrip on your gun but i think 
one of the reasons the streamers prioritize the gear is that they uh they play to get the kills right so like mm. Mm. if choco's average kill count in his winning games is like 10 to 20 kills like yeah it matters a lot that his armor is good right mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. you know he's just getting shot so many times in that game and he's having so many encounters and he's constantly needs to prioritize getting armor right mm -hmm. so that's just something i want to point out that that's that that kind of macho playstyle basically necessitates like if if i'm going to fight 20 people in a row yeah i want to make sure that i have all of the best shit right mm -hmm. but if if you're playing a different kind of a style then the focus is more on positioning well the focus is more on outsmarting people killing them before they know where you are that kind of a thing yeah so mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. so yeah I, I think there's credence to both but I think a lot of people feel insecure if they're in the final circle and they only have like an ump and like an M16 with a 2x scope. And I mm -hmm. just want to say like you like you have all you need to win. <laughs> right. Well, <laughs> when you're it, in a final you cycle it, with that. If you play it well, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, if if there's a player who is as good as you or better than you who has better gear, then of course they're advantaged. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think yeah. it's worth like I don't think it's worth making bad decisions over though, and I don't think it's worth spending the whole game losing for either. Mm -hmm. Yeah, agreed. Kind of yeah, point I want to make. Yeah, okay. Um, so in the interest of expediency, I'm going to move on here. Um, another fallacy is that only good players make it to the top 10. Like you start sweating more because you're like, oh my God, I'm with the 10 best people on the server now. It's really not true. Mm, it's like, right. there's usually like one or two good players in the top 10 and the rest of them are just like lucky fuckwits. Exactly. Who, well, you know what there's I mean? the, the old saying, it's better to be lucky than to be good. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and most That's of them are exactly lucky. It. <laughs> so I don't, I really, in my experience of this game, I have found that my chances of running into a good player in the top 10 seem to be about the same as my chances of running into a good player at any point in the game. Mm -hmm. So I, I just don't, when it's a 1v1, I've, I've talked myself out of thinking that like, oh my God, you know, I'm, mm. this is, this is it. This is the end boss. It's like, it's probably just roll the dice, you know? Right. And uh, and even even good players, you know, they'll get caught in a fight with someone else, and someone else will just pick them off. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so I just you know don't don't worry about that as much. Yeah. Um, another thing that I hear a lot of people talk about, which is is good, but I don't want you to focus on it too much, is watching the kill feed. Mm -hmm. And it's again, I'm not like I think watching the kill feed is a strong skill. But I recommend that you don't don't put your attention there first. Like I would focus on doing other things. Spend spend your effort, your energy doing other things such as just listening to where gunshots are coming from and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people get this kind of kill feed fetishization going on. Um, and I, I just mm, like 
put put your attention elsewhere. Like the kill feed will come naturally. Mm-hmm. I I've never been one of those people who really worries <laughs> about it. Um, yeah. For some reason, I it's just not that interesting to me. Um, I guess in late game when there's when I can rely on the kill feed being to 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 give me information about people near me, that's when I'm interested. Or if I hear a fight and then I see something appear in a kill feed, then I might look at it just to see what weapon was involved and if if there's somebody that just took out three people or something like that. Um, but generally, I don't think the kill feed offers really pertinent info. <coughs> Personally, I, but I don't know. I think I think that you get better info from just uh, trusting your in-game instincts, right? Mm-hmm. So. If you're hearing someone southwest who's shooting a, you know, bolt action sniper a lot, like that's what you need to file away, right? Right. It's like, okay, all right, there's someone with a sniper rifle in that direction. I just need to remember that, right? Exactly. It's not like you're sitting in a house, you're like bathroom camping and you hear two people come in and then there's a gun battle. And then you look at the gun feed, the, like the, the kill feed to see what weapons they used. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you just listen and you know, like that's yeah. what's like most things you, you can figure out by being aware um, of, of the kind of sensory input of the game. So totally. So yeah, mm-hmm. that, that's just a, I, I really want to highlight that, like trust your senses, trust your guts, like don't overthink this shit. Don't, you know, like people get i think people get too hacky they get too hacky with it they you know they want to like have everything figured out or they watch their favorite streamer and their favorite streamer has all of these really granular tips and tricks and shit mm-hmm. like it's really not what it's about man i think like when you play this game 10 hours a day and you know when you make a living playing shooters yeah sure that's the kind of stuff you notice right because it's really relevant to you but i i recommend that the average player just like really like focus on the game, focus on the basics, you know, make sure mm-hmm. you have guns loaded. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like make, make sure it's in full auto like that, that mm-hmm. like, you know, like make sure that your backpack's not full. That's the kind of thing, Yeah, you know, that that's, man. that's basics, man. Those are the kinds of mistakes. I, I don't really make much anymore in PUBG because I've been playing it for so long, but switching to a new game like Battlefield, it's like, yeah. there's been a couple of times where I enter a firefight and I'm not reloaded, you know. <laughs> Just like, wait, what? How did that even happen? But I'm not like, I don't even know it immediately where I would look in the UI to confirm that I have a full magazine. And for that matter, what gun I'm holding and what the max capacity is for a magazine, right? Like, there's yeah, yeah, it's stuff I take for granted in PUBG. But yeah, there's that's that's the nitty gritty. That's like the the bread and butter, right? Of, right. Exactly. <laughs> All those little details. Just the basics, mm-hmm. man. I, just, I can't stress it enough. The basics are so important in this game. Cause, mm-hmm. And the reason is because it's so unforgiving. Like, if, if it's like a, you know, if you're playing a game that's like, like a death match or something where you get to respawn or whatever, like you can make a mistake and you're like, oh, well, that sucked and my score went down, right? But in mm-hmm. PUBG, like every mistake is so costly. So just making sure that you're not making the basic mistakes is is really important. Mm-hmm. So, um, all right. I now I I want to get into kind of one of the biggest ideas of PUBG, and I just want to discuss it here. So, 
This is what I'm going to call the edge center spectrum.、Mm. And this is, this is what I mean is that there are basically two dominant styles among the many other styles of play, which I think they, they give you, it's the context in which PUBG is played. And so it's all about this tension between what's happening at the edge of the circle and what's happening in the middle of the circle. And so, the, if you imagine that there's a spectrum, like there's a, a line stretching out, and at one end of the line is a point which is center play, and at the other end of the line is a point which is edge play.、Mm-hmm. And what I want you to be thinking about the big idea and the, the case that I'm making is that the earlier in the game you are, the, the more it favors center play. And the later in the game you are, the more it favors edge play. And、mm. so, so let's get into why that is.、Mm-hmm. Um, the first thing is that, quite simply, it's hard to come up with any kind of congruent strategy kind of in the early and mid game. And the reason for that is that the circles are just so big. I mean, I think we've all had this moment in the game where you've looted. You've maybe made your first couple of kills. Maybe you found a vehicle. You're checking the map and you're like, all right, well, this circle is massive. Like, what do I do now? Right? Where do I go next? And so I, I think what I, the argument that I want to make here is that at that point in the game, it's advantageous to get into the circle and to get towards the middle of the circle. And the reason for that is, is just based on the dynamics of how people move.、Mm-hmm. So, what I want you to imagine is that when the plane first flies over the island, people drop in a roughly even distribution. Now, it's, it's not true in any given round.、Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're always like, people are always focused on the school, or you get more people in the military base. You know, we, we all know this. But if you think from a, a geographic perspective, in most rounds, people spread out from the plane in a fairly uniform manner and they reach different parts of the island. So you can usually assume、yeah. that in any of the main geographic regions of the island, there's going to be one or a couple of players. Yeah. And I would just say that I think, in my own observations, that the distribution of players has actually gotten more uniform. Per round than、mm. in the past, than in the early days. Oh, that's,、um, that's there, a cool、yeah. assertion. There used、yeah. to be a lot more hot dropping, and now people、mm-hmm. are trying to do conservative,、um, kind of spread out, like, oh, there probably won't be that many people here, sort of drops.、Um, right. So, in my、yeah. observations, I don't know.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I think I agree with you overall.、Mm-hmm. So, so, what I want to point out is this is that. When the first circle hits, all of a sudden you're cutting off like 60% of the map, right? Like what the game is basically telling you is that a majority of the surface area of this map is not going to matter in a couple of minutes. Like because, you know, you're going to be disincentivized to be there. Nothing much is going to happen after the blue comes in. And so, unless what, you have a lot of meds.、I、yeah. Mean, yeah. Which is can... true. Yeah. <laughs> 
It's true. Have your Zen moment out there in the blue. With, with the <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I have won plenty of games where I spent like the first half of the game in the blue, you know? I've never tried that. And now that I think about it, I've just never seen it as a, even, I've never even considered it, to be honest with yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've never I, considered it. And it's, yeah, I don't know. If you have a lot of meds, why not? You know, if you're trying to win, it's actually not a bad idea. I right? I don't really see it as a particularly viable strategy, but, mm -hmm. you know, but I, the, there is a certain logic to the fact that when the circle is not chunking that hard, you just don't really expect anyone else to be out there. And so there's a certain safety in it. Mm -hmm. So, um, but, but kind of what I want to highlight with my point here is that at the point at which that blue circle starts to move in, what you see is these geographical concentrations of players moving into the edge of the circle because they have to, right? Mm -hmm. And so the, the concentration of players is kind of by default going to be around the edge of the circle, whereas the concentration in the middle of that circle is likely to stay roughly the same as it was in the beginning of the game. Now, you'll in general, you'll see the player concentration gradually rise throughout the game because that's just the nature of PUBG. But, but what I want to highlight is that especially when the blue circle is moving in, but also in general, the edge of the circle is always going to be a catch-all area of players who have been spread out in a much broader geographical area being forced into a much smaller geographical area. Mm -hmm. And the, the center of the circle just doesn't work that way because people aren't actually incentivized to rush into the center of the circle. There's no mechanic in the game which forces people to go into the center. The mechanic forces mm. people to not be outside the edge. Right. So so what you're what you're gonna see by and large, and of course it varies game to game, but the player density isn't gonna change that much in the middle of the circle, but it is gonna go through these drastic changes closer to the edge as the game goes on. Mm -hmm. And so for this reason, um, the, you know, like if, if you see the first circle on the map and you just head to the middle of it as soon as possible, your chance of running into other players is, yeah, I mean, you know, it can happen. And maybe there's a few other clowns who have the same idea. Like I want to go into the center of the circle, but if you pick somewhere that's just kind of approximately in the middle of the circle, your player concentration is not going to be, it's just probably not going to be that high. Whereas let's say the first circle is already centered on the South Island and you just think, okay, well shit, like this is gonna be a South Island finish. You can guarantee that there's gonna be like a massive migration of players from the North to the South of the Island happening. And so you can guarantee that the Northern edge of that white circle is gonna be highly populated at some point, right? Yeah, yeah. And so um, for this reason, <coughs> I, I make the assertion that the uh, center play is, I think, basically a safer from the point of not running into a, a bunch of players at once. Going to the center of the circle early is a pretty good bet. Mm -hmm. And I think that this, 
I think this flies in the face of what a lot of players think happens. Um, and I remember when I was young in this game, I thought that edge play was the safer way to play because you have this kind of false security, like, well, there's no one going to be behind me because they're all in the blue. Mm -hmm. When in actuality, for a lot of the game, there's going to be people who are, you know, who are basically running away from the blue, who are going to be running towards the edge of it or people driving out of it. And if you're not specifically hunting those people, mm -hmm. uh, and, and even sometimes if you are, the likelihood is that you're going to get sandwiched between people coming in and people in front of you. And yeah, and I'll say not only if you're not hunting them, but if you're not baiting them as well, mm -hmm. which I think is still a tactic that we don't see employed often, but should be used more. <laughs> mm, agreed. Yeah, because if you don't hear activity, it just means that there's people around you who aren't fighting yet. Really. <laughs> True. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so I, I just want to, you know, I just want to highlight this, that I think there are a lot of faulty assumptions that people make about edge play. Mm -hmm. And so the, the first big assumption that I want to debunk is don't assume that you're safe with the blue circle at your back at any point, except late, late, late in the game. Um, people can survive in the blue for a surprisingly long amount of time at any point in the game up until when you really get to those final circles when they start chunking. And so I think a lot of people get lulled into this false sense of complacency, like in the mid game, like, well, I'm standing next to the blue and no one's going to be out there. The truth is there's always a bunch of people out there and you, you have to expect that. You have to expect that people are going to be running in or driving in. And, you know, if you're facing inward, you're just such a juicy target for those people, especially since, you know, I, I think they've changed this now. It's a little harder to see either way through the blue now than it used to be. But it used to be yeah. that it was <laughs> it's kind of a roller coaster of like, oh, it's really hard to see. And oh, now it's easier. No. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So, mm -hmm. you know, it, it, but I remember that it used to be really easy to see from inside the blue to out of the blue and it used mm -hmm. to be harder to see into the blue from outside it hmm. and so it made it especially dangerous to be hanging out on that perimeter because people coming in often had a really easy shot at you people coming into it yes so you could see into it easier than out is yeah that that's is my recollection i think they've changed it now though okay it's i don't the, know the rules are different now i i would I guess the easiest would be if it was uniform, right? Like in and out, but it'd yeah. be maybe even better if it was harder to see in than out just to enforce the circle mechanic a little more. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And to and and to lower the cheesiness of of the play of hanging out on the edge of the circle and trying to pick off people who are coming in. Not right? just hanging out on the edge, but hanging out on the outside. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. So I want to highlight the fact that a lot of hunting happens at the edge of the circle. And I think what happens a lot is that people think that they're the hunter and then they find out that they were actually the hunted. <laughs> Story of my life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, so I'll, I'll give a few examples of this. 
Let's say you're playing the edge game and you're doing the classic trick of I'm going to rotate around the edge. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, there's another player who's in the direction you're rotating, who's got good cover, who's waiting for you to rotate, and you're actually running into that trap. Yeah. Um, another thing that happens is that you're running around the edge of the circle expecting for someone to be inside the white circle and you're going to run up behind them and then someone from the blue just gets any angle on you at all and takes you out because you aren't <laughs> looking into the blue. Right. I think like, yeah, my, my summary <laughs> of everything you're describing is actually movement equals death <laughs> and cover equals eternal life (laughs) (laughs) like find cover and stay there as long as you can if you want to win like if all Mm. you want to do is win like that is and 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 to me if i if i had a single strat it would be go to the middle find cover stay there until you have to move (laughs) yeah which you just basically described the choco taco stat strat in a nutshell yeah. Maybe I don't know. I don't know. Well, I, I, honest, I don't, haven't really analyzed whether or not he's a circle or a center guy. Is he a center guy? Well, I mean, you know, he's he's obviously a very good player. So these days, he can choose to play the game how he likes. But yeah. I think he does still favor this style. And I definitely remember him, like in the earlier days of his streaming, he was like giving dissertations on this. You know, he was basically he outlined. very meticulously a strategy that he'd come up with, which is very similar to what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. So basically what he would do is after the first couple of circles where he just, you know, looted up and bullied everyone else out of their lunch money, he would, (laughs) he'd find a vehicle and then he would look at whatever circle it was. And it wasn't that he would always just go straight for the middle, but he would just look towards the center of the circle and think like, what's a good strategic building to hold? Yeah, that's exactly my strat. That's exactly what I'm laying out. Yeah, totally. And then he would go there and then, you know, he'd either kill whoever was already there or he'd just post up and, and then he would just literally wait for like five, 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. And and you know and of course that that style of play does favor sniping because mm-hmm. basically what you're doing is you're sitting there waiting for random players to like come close enough that you can start shooting them yeah and because your cover is so good you know you're just you're really incentivized to to have a sniping battle and then yeah. you know maybe if someone has a vehicle or whatever then they manage to cruise up and then you have a, a house battle right yeah, but, this sounds this sounds like a great strat to me. <laughs> it's it's good. It's good. So so let's uh-huh. let's talk about some of the reasons it's good. The first one is the one that you outlined, which is that houses are just great cover. Mm-hmm. They they allow you to crouch, which basically makes you invulnerable unless someone nades, mm-hmm. and they allow you to get different angles. And they give you windows, just give you like great peak cover. So there's a lot of things to like about houses. And then, you know, when all else fails, there's like a bathroom you can hide in if you need to heal up or something. So, um, so just, you know, arguably the best cover in the game is, is a house. So that's, that's one of the reasons the strategy is good. 
The other reason is that when you're constantly going into the center of the circle, it's the most efficient. If you think about the amount of distance that needs to be covered, it's the most efficient way to play the game. Mm-hmm. Now, if you knew where every circle in the game was going to be before it came, then you would be able to find more efficient lines. Like, well, I can just stay here the whole game because I know that the circle is going to be on me the whole game. But if you don't have that information, then and and you wanted to travel the least amount of distance in the game, then the way that you would accomplish that is always going to the very center of the circle. Mm. And so. It what this allows you to do is it allows you to travel the least amount of raw distance in the game, and it's it's very efficient because of that. It it allows you to spend a majority of your time posted up in cover. Right, movement equals death. Totally, totally. Yep. Now the interesting tension here, though, is that, and I think you'll see this in Choco's games. Is sometimes he'll stay in a building until he absolutely has to leave it, and the and I think the reason for that is because movement equals death. He doesn't want to be constantly moving, so there's this tension between, you know, you want to make sure that you give yourself enough time to get into another position when you know you have to leave a place, but if you're constantly driving all over the place, then you expose yourself a lot more. So.、Mm-hmm. So you kind of have to find a balance between I don't want to always be moving, but I also don't want to, you know, be leaving it too late. Right, right. Which I think is is where I start to shift toward, or I start to entertain the idea of a kind of fifty percent, like on the spectrum from center to edge, being in the middle.、Um, and by middle, I would say middle be in of the white circle. Like right between the middle of the white circle and the edge of the white circle. Yeah.、Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. That that、yeah. halfway point.、Mm-hmm. Which is, I think, you know, that's a very defensible position to be in, and and I I think it kind of once you get about halfway into the white circle, I think anywhere within there can be considered the middle of the circle. So.、Mm-hmm. Um. Hmm. So yeah, it's it's a really really solid way to play. Now I think a lot of why people are afraid of doing this strat is that people always there's like some mythological fear of the middle of the circle, like it's everyone's gonna be there or something.、Mm-hmm. And another fear that people have is of being surrounded. And so、uh, that is true. Like the closer you are to the center of the circle, the more likely it is that you're gonna have players around you in every direction. And、mm-hmm. it can, in certain situations, you can get just caught between too many players, and especially if you're not in a good building, then you can get really fucked doing that. So、yeah. it's it's so this is why this is one of the reasons why I've made this assertion、uh, that edge play becomes more and more viable the later into the game that you are. And the reason for that is that the blue. Provides you progressively stronger and stronger cover because at a certain point, people just can't spend any amount of time in it without really getting fucked up.、Mm-hmm. So,、um, an- another reason is that when the circle becomes small enough, 
where there are only a few houses left in it, then all of a sudden those houses become targets. Like you, you just expect that someone's in them, right? So any amount of anonymity that you are hoping to have is probably gone. And, you know, people are just, they're a lot more likely to chuck a nade into your building. Um, or they're a lot more likely to expect you to be in the building so that when the circle all of a sudden changes and you have to haul ass out of that building, there are going to be people looking at it, waiting for you to come out. Mm -hmm. So these are all a number of reasons where the Choco Taco strategy starts to, it's not that it falls apart at the end of the game, but it, it can bite you in the ass and it, it kind of becomes like not necessarily the best thing to do at that point. Mm -hmm. You're saying like end to end game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, and even, you know, even before the very end of the game, like just think about this, think about, let's say the circle is still quite big but you're in you're in a house and then all of a sudden the next white circle pops up and you're like at the far edge of the blue circle right mm -hmm. you all of a sudden you need to leave your house you need to get in your vehicle or whatever it is um hopefully you have a vehicle if you don't you just run out of that house and you need to hightail it you know back into the white circle at some point and the the circle starts to get really chunky at that point so you can't mess around with it as much but the problem is like you know if if that house is like the only house in the middle of a field um or it's kind of a notable geographic feature and especially if you've been sniping people for the last like two or three minutes from that house all mm -hmm. of a sudden you're exiting that house is a, is a liability like mm -hmm. people know where you are you're going from good cover into bad cover or no cover um you know, there might be someone on the edge of that white circle that you're driving your vehicle into who's just waiting with their full auto weapon and they're just going to gun you down as soon as you come in. Mm -hmm. So these are all just reasons why uh, you need to be more flexible in your thinking about what you're going to do next. Mm -hmm. So this, this kind of leads me into my next point that I want to make, which is... Um, this game isn't about what's happening now. It's about what needs to happen next. And I think that this is like one of the biggest bridges to cross between being a new mm -hmm. player and being an advanced player in this game is mm -hmm. that like <clears throat> your good position now is going to be a bad position in two minutes or it's going to be a bad position in 30 seconds or you know what in one circle is an amazing position in the very next circle can become the worst position in that circle just based on mm -hmm. the geography of where the next circle pops up and so i think that people get bitten by thinking they focus too much about where they are right now and they focus too much about what they want to do right now and they don't spend enough time thinking about where am I going to need to be in one minute? Where am I going to need to be in five right. minutes? You know, yeah. and and what are my needs going to be when that comes up? And so, mm -hmm. like a, cl a classic example is the white circle has been approaching the South Island for like several circles, and you've been fucking around doing whatever it is that you're doing, and like all of a sudden you're like, wait, I need to get a car and I need to cross that bridge, right? 
and then maybe it takes you a minute to find that car and then maybe you get in another fight and then like next thing you know you're just hauling ass across that bridge praying that somebody wasn't camping and you know i've just like i i think everyone's lost the game so many times having waited too long to you know get that vehicle and get across the bridge and get focused on what needs to happen next and it's those key choke points where good players will post up and they'll punish you for it <laughs> so yeah you know so i th i think a big part of this game is trying to anticipate where the circle is going to end up and you just you want to try to next level it you want to you know you you need to be thinking about that and you need to set yourself up for that which i think is another reason why a lot of pro players will prioritize finding a vehicle because you know even if they're good at shooting and even if they're good at reading the map and even if whatever you know that they're, they're really good players they don't necessarily need to drive around to get places but they just know like all it takes is one bad roll of the dice and all of a sudden i need to cross like you know a kilometer of open field to get to the next circle and and now that vehicle is a really really crucial part of your strategy whereas like the whole round up until then it seemed superfluous right 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 yeah so <clears throat> i i think that that's like that's one of the biggest level up things that i want to impart to people and i think it's it's one of the things that i I'm kind of constantly annoyingly hopping on my like I think people who play with me in squads sometimes get tired <laughs> of me being like guys like I don't think that's going to be good in the next circle or I think we need to move now and we need to not wait you know I'm kind of yeah, like yeah I'm kind yeah. of the downer dude who's like who's kind of playing that harp right <laughs> mm. and you know sometimes I'm wrong and it's just annoying but um <laughs> <laughs> but I think I I think that there's a really important part of this game which is just thinking like if the circle goes there I'm going to have to drive through a swamp and it's going to suck. Mm, right, or you know right. or if I know that the circle is is on the south island from the beginning of the game like the sooner I cross the bridge and get on the south island the the, the higher is my chance of making that trip alive. Right. Yeah. Yeah, which I think is you know, I I still keep coming back in my own tired mind to <laughs> get there early. You know, like really, yeah. you know, don't play a guessing game about where the next circle is going to be. Um, and I've seen this a lot, even even in savvy content creator videos where they're you know trying to to play smart. They often have to cross a huge amount of area to get to the next circle yeah and i often have to do that as well um and i i really do i i think that being centrally located and in cover is mostly a good strategy unless you follow it religiously and you end up putting yourself let's say um in in a place that doesn't have good cover or in a place where there's a high likelihood of having to move in the next one which shouldn't mm. theoretically happen if you're in the center. Um, but let's say the center is a huge field with nothing in it except a shed, right? I'm not going to go to the shed, um, <laughs> right? right? Yeah. Even though it might it might actually be the best choice. I just don't personally feel comfortable, though. <laughs> They're not maybe very I should. good. 
I mean, I I don't know. I've seen I've seen people use them to great success, mm-hmm. but you can't crouch and sit in the corner. Mm-hmm. That's not an effective way to use them. No. The, an effective way to use them is to use it as basically like you would a rock and sandhook, which yeah. is you're orbiting it and using it as cover for any battle that might unfold. Um, <clears throat> and that, you know, it might be really helpful. I guess it'd kind of be a tell, but if you had a vehicle near it where you could basically park a rock next to it um, and have another area of cover so that you're at least, you know, you can kind of be between them and if you start getting hit, you can go inside, right? Um, but what I'm trying to say is that some most of the time you can kind of pick a a structure a reasonable one with multiple rooms that's in the center it gets harder in late game and that's where you have to start deciding well is that shit shack the best spot or is that hilltop or is that densely forested area Hmm. or is that area you know that's away from the large part of the blue um and by that i mean um Basically, there's always the, the the white is usually lopsided within, yeah, or offset within the blue, and I tend to go toward the area that has the least blue outside of it, mm. um, just because that's where you're gonna have the least migration, right? Um, I I wanted you to talk about this because I've heard you talking about this before, and I think it's a really next level strategy. I I think of this as dark zone play, like mm. which is okay. Basically, when I, what I think dog zone play is, is trying to put yourself in the least populated part of the map at all times. Yeah. Right? Yep. So, so yep. tell me about how you, how you go about this and how you think about it. I mean, that's exactly like what I just said, basically. So like think of an egg. Um, it's going to be confusing because the egg white is on the outside. <laughs> and in PUBG, the white circle is on the inside. But... Um, the egg, if you just look at an egg and let's say the yolk is at the bottom, so like the roundest, like fattest part is toward the bottom, it's standing on its end, then there's a lot of white on the top of the egg and there's a very small amount at the bottom. And that is where you want to be. You want to be at the bottom of the yolk. So whatever the circle's doing, unless it happens to be two concentric circles, um, you want to position yourself on that kind of the outside of the white circle where there's the least amount of blue outside of it is is the way I think about it. Yeah. And and then like you that's a starting point though. You pick that point and then you choose some really good cover near it. And that would be my it, it uh, I'll say it's one of it's one strat that I put a lot of confidence in. Mm-hmm. Um and the thing is I don't think I'm the only one that thinks that way and so I, th- I think what you'll actually see is a flow of, of some subsection of players that are moving around the yoke toward that, that small part, mm-hmm. toward that like small margin of blue. Um, and if you're there early, then you can kind of watch that flow happen and you know which way it's going to come from because it's always going to come from bigger blue to smaller mm-hmm. blue, right? And so, you know, that's one way to do it. And then another way to do it is just to avoid... That's like a fray-heavy play mode, 
right? And if you end up hanging out on the edge of the yolk there, good chance that you're going to be on the thick part of the white or the thick part of the yes. blue, the next one. Yes, they, and so, they like to do it that way. Right? And so I would say that maybe the best thing to do is to go to the side of the circle, the dark side, as you said, where there's the least amount of blue outside of it. But instead of hanging out right on the edge, you hang out kind of between the middle of the white and, and the edge of it, mm, of, of the okay. white circle. Yeah. Yep. Because so so then you're kind of buffered a little bit up against yeah. a big offset for the next one. Mm-hmm. Right? Totally so. right. Like like the further you are into the center of the white circle, always the less likely you are to have a big distance to cover to get to the next one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's really fascinating. I would love to see, you know, I'd love to see a study of that style of mm-hmm. play, like over 10 matches, just kind of analyzing. Mm-hmm. Like, and it'd be it'd be fun to do, right? Because yeah. like you could you could take a video of these games, you could look at your map, take a picture, and just draw some lines, right? Like, okay, yeah, here's the smallest part of blue, right? At the thinnest blue zone, and then draw a line to the center, and then find what the middle is between the center of white and the edge of white along that line draw a point and then find the closest good cover spot near it and mm-hmm. go there and do that for each circle mm-hmm. <laughs> and see what happens yeah um i, I bet it would be strat. a pretty good strat yeah mm-hmm. yeah like if if you had to just distill it down to something like that i think that that mm-hmm. is a good way to go yeah mm-hmm. i i support that notion for sure yeah so dark zone play definitely experiment with that um all right let's see let's see what else okay so i think that this brings me to specifically talking about the end game and i actually i do have a strategy or there's a handful of strategies that i employ interchangeably in the end game which it's not that these are the only things you can do but i actually strongly believe that these are the best ways to play the end game Mm-hmm. Uh, the first thing that I want to say about the end game is I can't tell you, I just cannot even tell you how many times I've died in the top 10 picking fights that I didn't need to pick in the end game. Mm. So, yeah. so I really want to highlight that the player that you need to kill in the end game is player number two. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You, like you have, you're a hitman. And your hit is player number two. Mm-hmm. So, and your your goal is not to find them when there's fifty people left. Yes, your goal is to find them <laughs> when there's only two people left. Yes. So the easiest <laughs> way that I've found to win this game is to wait until player three engages player two, right? Mm. And mm-hmm. you want to wait until player three is dead, and immediately as close to player three dying as possible, you want to kill player two. Right. And side note, this is exactly when you want to watch the kill feed. Yes. <laughs> yes. Exactly. If you can't tell from listening to like what's going on, then you know watch the kill feed and see exactly what what gun they're using. Um, yeah. So that you can use that. Yep. Totally. So mm-hmm. 
So that's the thing. This is what's tempting is that you get to the you get to the top 10, the circle's pretty small, you start hearing shots everywhere, you start seeing players everywhere. And mm-hmm. it's really tempting to just, you know, like play it like you would in the mid game. You know, usually if you're in the mid game and you see someone right over a hill, you're like, "Okay, that's probably going to be a problem. I need to go and fuck them up pronto." But mm-hmm. in the end game, it's not that easy, man. There's like People are watching, you know, people are waiting for that to happen. Um, People want nothing more for you to ADS into your red dot, full auto that player, and then they just headshot you. So I've done it so many times myself. And so, you know, in the end game, what I try to do in the end game is I try to only, I don't pick fights, I take fights. So... Picking a fight is when you hear or see another player who doesn't know where you are and you decide that you're going to go and kill them. Mm -hmm. I just think most of the time it's the wrong thing to do unless it's a really easy kill and you're not giving up much to do it. Yeah, yeah. Especially if that person is clearly engaged with somebody else, you just don't have that much incentive to kill them. Right. And I guess... The a caveat I'm thinking of is if you have really solid cover. Yeah. Like a building. Like, let's say you're in a building in the middle. And you see there's two people left. One's at 12 o'clock and one's at 8 o'clock of you, right? And, like, one of them's exposed. So you're like, fuck it. I'm just going to kill them. Right? Because they're yeah. both eyeing your building anyway. So yeah. at this point. <laughs> yeah, if they both know you're there. It's like. Yeah. Well, maybe even if they don't, though, Mm -hmm. you know, like you could risk, you know, both of them moving in on you at a similar time or. Yeah, that'd be awkward. It's 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 hard for me because. I one one pattern I've fallen into with thinking about the game is that I want to eliminate um, threats to me. And so. If I'm playing kind of toward the edge and I know that, let's say I'm on the edge of white and I know that there's people that dropped on the edge of blue uh, near me, mm. then my top priority is to kill them, mm. right? Mm-hmm. If if I'm doing an edge game, yeah, which I seem to do, like that seems to be as much as I've been advocating for center, I've, I have noticed that I do kind of tend toward edge and then... Which I think is, there's a lot more to think about, honestly. There is. You think there's less? There's more. (laughs) Yeah, there is. That's that's what I keep saying. It's more dangerous and there's more to think about. Yeah. Yep. Yep. More to think about and more that you don't know, right? You might hear one battle, right? Like along one, like further along the edge of the circle in one direction. But in the other direction, there's almost certainly another party there mm-hmm. that just isn't making noise because they haven't found another party yet. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be the next party they find. <laughs> so, um, or, or, or you'll find them, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's fun to watch replays because this kind of teaches you like, oh, shit, I thought I was like alone in that right. moment. Or like, I thought I had this area to myself and there's like two other people around you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. It happens all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So so this is what leads me into I I have this paradigm of how I play the late game which is that I pick a geographic zone which to me looks the easiest to control. And mm-hmm. I actually in the first um 
in the first anatomy of a chicken dinner video that I ever posted on YouTube, which is still there, by the way, you can watch it. I demonstrate this. And in, in this particular game, it was, uh, it was on Miramar and the final circle was in a very hilly zone. And what I did was I picked my zone was a side of the hill that was very close to the edge of the white circle. And what it meant was that I had this whole hillside to myself, but there was actually very little geography around that hillside. Like it was going into a valley, but the white circle was kind of butted up against the hill. And I hung mm -hmm. out midway down on that hill, so I wasn't near the crest. And what mm -hmm. it allowed me Good. to do was to have a fairly clear lookout in, in very specific directions. And there wasn't a lot of mm -hmm. cover in those directions. And so I could just see as soon as someone came into that zone, it was very easy to see and it was very easy to control. Mm -hmm. And I just hung out there. I just chilled. And I wasn't playing a game. I wasn't trying to win. I wasn't trying to kill other people. I was just controlling my zone. And I call this controlling space. Mm -hmm. So, um, so when you're controlling space, it's important that you pick a space that where you can, you have a good shot to anywhere in the space. And, um, you also don't want it to, you don't want your spot to be super visible. So like, for example, being on the top of a hill gives you a really good vision advantage. It gives you a really good high ground advantage but you're the highest point and so everybody can see you from every direction so that's why right. i recommend against hanging out on the top of hills especially in the late game mm -hmm. so mid midway down on the hill can actually be a really good spot especially if the blue zone is uh the you know the edge of the circle is configured in a way that um helps to mitigate the fact that you're essentially out in the open mm -hmm. so and then what i did was i just I just like every time the circle shifted, I picked a new zone to control. And anytime I either encountered another player who was coming into my zone, or there was like an easy headshot that I just picked up, um, just because, you know, someone was fighting someone else. I saw their head over the crest of the hill that someone else took their helmet off and it was just an easy one shot. I just took him down in one shot, um, no problem. So those kind of kills, you can pick those up, right? But what I wasn't mm -hmm. doing was charging over the hill and chasing down all of these other people that I heard fighting because my mission wasn't to do that. My mission was just to control my zone. Yeah. And then eventually what happens is if you do this properly is that there's three people, you know, maybe there's two other players left and then, you know, you hear them fighting. Hopefully you hear them fighting and then you just try to position yourself to clean up whoever is still alive at the end of that mm -hmm. fight. Now, sometimes, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes the fight finds you first, but, um, but still, if you've picked a good zone to control, then you decide what happens in that zone. You're the king of the hill. You've, you know, mm -hmm. in theory, you've got the advantage as long as you're doing your due diligence. Right. Which, I mean, you mentioned sometimes a fight picks you first and, that's why I'm ready for the riot shield. <laughs> I <laughs> I don't want to fight anybody. I want just 
an impermeable shield I can put up between me and anyone that wants to do me harm when that happens in the top three, which is the only time I'm going to be seen. The other time, I'm going to be a totally stealthy Just leopard. Just camping. Yep. And when it gets down to top three and someone starts shooting at me, I want my riot shield ready. Like, where is this riot shield? I am ready for it. I don't know, man. That's... that's- that's where I'm at. Still the stuff of Brendan Green's dreams. Enough violence. <laughs> Dude, I would love it, Robin, if there was a style of play in this game where you could have your riot shield and you could just like force someone into the blue and just fry them, you know? <laughs> so it'd be like oh, the ultimate I guess pacifist in squads. Kill. In squads, you could do that. Yeah, right? you just surround Like, you someone. just have four people with shields. <laughs> <laughs> just force them out. I love oh, that idea, no. man. Oof. Beautiful. Yeah. So, so yeah, that that's, that's kind of one main approach to the top 10. Now, another approach is the good old, like, rotate around the edge of the circle until you find someone. Mm-hmm. Now, it's not that that's a bad strat, but what I try to avoid in this game is being the hapless twit who's just like running around in the end of the game. And then <laughs> meanwhile, there's like well-placed people with silences just like waiting right. for stupid you to do exactly that. Yeah, totally. So it's it's really not, it's just not necessarily a solid strategy. I don't highly mm-hmm. recommend it. I think Yeah, I don't either. You know, if you're someone It's, it's such a tempting strategy. It really it is. is. Yeah. You it know, is. they they put a big well defined circle on the map and you're like, Well, someone's gotta do something with this circle. <laughs> it's gonna be me. And then everyone else is like, oh, you know, taking advantage <laughs> with their totally. tactics. <laughs> totally, man. Yeah. So mm-hmm. you know, I just like Exercise caution with that strat. There are some geographies in which you're not going to get punished for doing it. But I, yeah, just watch out for it. Don't don't assume that because people like Fuglet pull it off that you're going to pull it off. Like mm-hmm. the main reason why Choco Taco and Fuglet and Shroud pull off those maneuvers is that they ju- they're just faster and they have better eyesight and they aim better. Like... <laughs> Even if they're caught in a disadvantageous situation, they can still often shoot their way out of it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily make it a good strategy. Yeah. Well, at least in the videos they post. <laughs> That's a good point, man. That's a good point. I mean, like several days go by often. Not Like a few days with without Fuglet posting. Chaco, on the <laughs> other hand, is posting all the time. So I would yeah. trust... I would trust his strats more than Fuglet's. Fuglet's a good player, but yeah, I'm like when it comes down to it. But I think his his strats, like we don't know, we because we don't see how he plays, you know, like often, mm-hmm. right? Whereas Chaco, we're seeing like a video every day, you know. Um, what's his face? The uh, Shmarmy guy. Damn it! With the good accent, Wacky Jacky. Wacky Jacky. Um, the Smarmy. So Shmarmy, he. On the other, he's kind of in between. He'll post like every couple of days or so. And, um, but you know, he's, he's doing a mostly different thing, more gameplay lately. But, um, anyway, that's, I don't know where I was going with that. That's a really good point you make though, Robin. There's a certain amount of confirmation bias when you watch these streamer highlights. 
Yes. You know, you see mm-hmm. them doing something that works and you're like, oh, that must be a good strat. But that might Dude. be like the one time out of 10. Dude, <laughs> I tell you, if I fucking, if I fucking played this game for eight hours a day, I would have some great 10 minute videos yeah, to post to YouTube. <laughs> yeah, you would look like a god. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's mm-hmm. more to the story, people. More to the story. Mm-hmm. So. So, you know, they might... I think it's it's easy to say, like, well, they, they have better reflexes and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, they they are definitely, as anyone in their right mind would, cherry-picking content um, to show us. So, yep. there's that. There's always streaming, too. Which I don't actually watch. I just watch YouTube. Because <laughs> streaming is like, I'm not going to subscribe and watch a four-hour session of somebody else playing video games. Like, that's that's time for me. <laughs> that's when I play. Like, <laughs> yeah, I only watch video games when I'm not technically allowed to play them. <laughs> yeah. Same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I.e. when you're probably not supposed to be watching them either. <laughs> I.e. <laughs> you're just just telling it like it is and for for all of us desk jobbers out there you know who you are Yeah, well, I don't know, man. I think that there's a lot more that I wrote down here, but I think I could easily talk all night about this. Is there anything else that you are kind of hot to share before we wrap it up? I'm not, not really. No, I think I've, I've kind of... Uh... Oh, wait, one more thing. And then we should try to kind of tie a bow around it. Mm, okay. um, so you... And I'm, you, you already mentioned that basically you your goal is to kill number two, which is great because very early in this discussion, when you started talking about the strategy, I was, I was starting to think like, wait a minute, with this strategy, like what is the ideal number or the target number of people that we should have killed by the end of the game? <laughs> and the first number I came up with is one. <laughs> you should win the game with having only killed one person. Mm-hmm. And that's the number two person. Mm-hmm. And then I thought about it and I was like, but that's not really likely because you're probably no. going to get pushed into a corner at some point. And you're probably going to have to kill at least one other person. And so I'm, I was just wondering if you've thought about this and if there's kind of like a good round number that you would you would think would be appropriate for playing this strat well. Yeah. And what how many kills you would end up with at the end of the game with a win. I I think that playing... A strat like this, well, uh, it all depends. But um, I would say like three to five kills is definitely what I get on average when I play like this. Okay. So when, and this is again, this is I'm not picking fights. I'm not moving a lot. I'm just trying to stick to good cover. And I'm only killing the people that, that are either easy to kill or that I need to kill. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that usually lands me around three to five kills, which it really is the average. Um, yeah, I w- if if you looked at the average kill counts of the games that I've won, it's probably somewhere in that three to four range. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I've mm-hmm. you know, I've definitely won with you know, I've definitely had those one kill games, and I've had those like six, seven, whatever kill games. I, I actually, this is a funny thing, kind of. It's like a, a hole in my. It's a it's a hole on my trophy rack, but I don't think I've ever gotten that like high kill solo game. Mm. You know, like that that ten plus kill solo game. No, I don't. I haven't either. Yeah, yeah. That's like a that's that's a ten plus. I think that's the, my like. That's me. like always. It's it's what I want. I think at the end of the day, yeah. I I really want that. Um, like wins are good. Lots of like I would. I don't know, man. Honestly, for me, I would rather have a seven kill loss. And let's say I don't even make it to top 10 <laughs> than like a two kill win. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I, I don't know. It just, it's more fun to me. Yeah. Like that's how I want to play. Mm-hmm. No, I agree with you. I think like my highest kill games are probably more memorable to me than some of my wins. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm thinking of the highest kill game that I had. I think it was, a, I want to say it was like a 13 kill game or something like that. Yeah, damn. And it was just like, it's just so much fun to get that many kills. Yep. And it is. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I agree. Like if, if we could all be, you know, that buff at this game, but. Right. I mean, and, and like squad games, like that's what can make those worth it. Mm, right. Like to me, playing right. a conservative squad game is just like, <laughs> why are we here? You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> what are we yeah. doing with our lives? Like, totally. if I'm playing squads, like I'm in it for blood. Like, I want fucking a 20 kill win. If we don't get a 20 <laughs> kill win, then we're not pulling our weight. Like, that's, <laughs> I'm being Love serious. It. Like, maybe. 20 is a little bit on the high end, but like 12. 12 is like what I would expect Mm -hmm. from an engaged squad that's like out there paying attention and and dominating the map. So you mean like 20 between the whole team? 20, yes. Yep, yep. Between the whole squad. Yep. Not for me personally. (laughs) If I end up at the end of a squad game with a win and I got five kills, that's great. Yeah, you know that's like that's that's a good game to mm-hmm. me. Um, if I end up at the end of a squad game and we won, and I got one kill, or I, I guess w- like one kill would feel bad. Three kills would be acceptable. Five kills is what I want. You know. So how, so, about, how about those zero kill squad games? Fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> that's those ones suck. That's when like. The... I mean, I better have a lot of fucking damage points. Yeah. But even then, it doesn't yeah. doesn't quite feel good. Mm-hmm. You, you know those and, games, and that has happened where I have a lot of damage and very few kills, and I'm like, damn it! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did most of that work. There, there are I those games <laughs> where, like that that person who's really confident in their kill accounts, like, well, I got seven kills, you know, and then like. Mm-hmm. The other people on your squad are like three kills, five kills, and then you know you haven't said anything, right? Like, <laughs> exactly. how, how many kills did you get, like, out, Juno? You're like, well, well, I knocked two people. Yeah, <laughs> give me yeah. a break, man. There's that moment at the end of the game where you're like, well, shit, how many game, how many kills did we get as a squad? Yeah, and so everyone's sharing, and like, there's always one person who kind of holds out. Like, <laughs> um. <laughs> 
Uh, guilty. Guilty as charged, man. Uh, you know, but, but you know, when I'm one of the high kill players, I don't give a shit. <laughs> exactly. No, yeah. if you're the high kill player, you're the first person to say how many kills yeah, you got. Exactly. Right? Like, or you're the person asking, waiting for someone to ask you. <laughs> exactly. So, mm. right on, man. All right, so is it time to put a bow on this? I think that's the that's the bow. Unless you do, you want to like summarize? Yeah, Can, I I think I need you to summarize. Okay, actually. so yeah, boy, I mean, there's there's still a lot that can be covered about this, mm-hmm. but the, these are the broad strokes. Is that I want to say getting into the middle of the circle at some point in the early to mid game, I think is a very good idea. I don't really think there's any good argument for hanging out on the edge like in the early game it's just, I just mm-hmm. there's nothing you're gaining by doing that um i think from there making a choice between whether you want to be like a, a house camper kind of player or whether you want to be a like hang out at some amount of distance from the edge and try to pick off people coming in and then periodically covering the center of the circle to make sure you know it's it's not it's not often that you get people moving from the center out. Like that doesn't happen very often, but you you still have to watch out for it. Mm-hmm. So so this is kind of like the mid to mid late game is is you need to kind of make a decision about whether you're going to be like a hunter out in the world or whether you're going to be like a you know kind of commanding the siege. Mm-hmm. And then in the late game, for me, it's all about controlling space, picking and controlling space, basically picking advantageous geographic locations and holding them. And mm-hmm. uh, and then all the while while you're doing this, you're only you're only taking the fights that you need to take or the fights that are easy to take, and you're leaving all of the rest of them for somebody else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then the only other thing I would say is that you need to be at every stage of the game, you need to be prioritizing the things that the equipment and the gear that you need. So mm-hmm. if you're running low on meds, it's probably important to kill someone and take theirs. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're running low on armor, it's probably important to do some house looting, even though I hate doing it. Like the later in the game, mm, I just, yeah. I hate looting houses late in the game. But if your right, armor's right. fucked, you probably have to do it. Oh, yeah, it's a rough one. Yeah. Because late game is just like the most brutal time totally. to have to loot. <laughs> totally. Because right? you're like running around and having to cover the distance between buildings without cover. Yeah. Uh, when there's a higher concentration of people around you, um, yeah, it's tricky. I would I would say almost better to camp in a place where you expect somebody and take their stuff. Yeah, <laughs> if you need their helmet, shoot them in the chest. If you need their their um, chest armor, then you yeah, shoot them in the head. Try to get the headshots. Yeah, <laughs> try to get the headshots. You yeah. know, but you know, if it comes to it, just get just any shot you can land. Get dead. Yeah. Yeah. But that that's that's an argument for chasing someone down at any point in the game is that if you're really lacking something that you need, like if you mm-hmm. have no range scopes 
Uh, yeah. You know, that's when I just turn on my cheat to see through walls and hills <laughs> and stuff and, and to see people's yeah. load, load see, out. See through people's backpacks to know what they have in there. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Little known fact you can actually x ray into someone's bag and see what they have. <laughs> it's a hidden feature of the game. <laughs> it didn't officially publish it, yeah, but you know. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, that, that's, that's a reason to pick a fight, but otherwise I would say only take fights, but don't pick them. Mm -hmm. And yeah. And then, you know, I just encourage people to think ahead, always be thinking where you're going to need to be in like one minute and then five minutes. That's kind of a good little metric there. And I think that playing this way. You, you'll just see, you will see your win percentage go up. Like, I think I can almost proclaim that as a fact. Mm -hmm. There are a few other things I just want to say, which is don't be afraid to bush camp. Like, I have gotten to the top 10 more times than I can tell you just by bush camping. It's a solid strat. Wow. Like, it's definitely, it's, People lump it in with the hiding in a bathroom with a shotgun in terms of like how macho it is or how lacking in valor or, you know, any kind of knightly chivalry it is. Mm -hmm. But it's a solid strat, man, especially when the other cover is not good. Yeah. God damn it. I can't wait till we have games and internet and CPUs that can handle enough information to be able to have like physics enabled bushes right because the idea of walking into a bush and the bush doesn't react to you in any way <laughs> right there's like yeah. no hit detection on this thing it's literally yeah. just painted uh, painted pixels right yeah. like probably planes of, of pixels that you're walking into that don't give a shit that you're there. Right? <laughs> they have no, like, there's no interaction. Yeah. Right. That's but, a really like, good point. Think about, like, I live, we live in Oregon. There's a bunch of blackberry bushes around. Go walk into one and hide in it, <laughs> Arjuna. Like, <laughs> what's going to happen? Like, it's not just, you're not just going to walk through the damn thing. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, and so seeing games get closer to modeling that type of behavior would be really exciting because mm. you could still use a bush for cover. Mm -hmm. It's just that it might make noise, A. Mm. Um, it might move. It might have some hit detection when you walk into it. It <laughs> might, like, it. you could, like, push yourself up against it mm -hmm. and it, it might move to the side. But when when you move out of that position, the move will back, the, the, sh the shrub will move back to its normal position, yeah. which would be a visible motion from from somebody on the other side of the bush and, and also an audible one um and i'm not i'm not trying to say like poo poo um pubg or blue hole or whoever um for not doing that because frankly the game is lacking in performance enough as it is i don't want them <laughs> to have physics enabled bushes but um you know i'm just looking ahead yeah thinking about what could be well I couldn't agree more. I think it's kind of hilarious mm -hmm. that like 
the hillside will block your gun and the windowsill will block your gun and fucking mm -hmm. everything in the game will block your gun. And then like mm -hmm. the bush is just like this cloud. It's just like a cloud of flies. It, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Yep. And, and uh, I don't know. I mean, like how hard is it? Like, I think if, if you're on the other side of a bush, if someone shoots me with a high powered rifle and I'm on the other side of a bush, like it's going to hurt. Right. <laughs> no way around it. Um, but if I'm in a bush, on the other hand, and I'm shooting at someone half a kilometer away with a high-powered rifle, that bush might have a bigger influence on that bullet, mm, right? True. In terms of deflection, uh, maybe even in terms of, of net impact. Yeah, I mean, and... I would imagine it would significantly fuck up the trajectory of that bullet, like oh, if yeah. it was traveling a long Absolutely. distance. Yeah. 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 Yep. So just seeing that kind of stuff accounted for would really make a game, I think, a lot more interesting and grainy in terms of in, in terms of those decisions that we make. Because that's really what these games come down to, is looking at an environment and taking in the information and then making a decision about what to do. And if the information is, well, <laughs> there's someone in the bush, I think, and I can shoot them without, or I'm in a bush and I can shoot them and I don't have to think about like the physics of any of this, then fuck it, you know? Like there, there's not a lot to think about, right? It's mm -hmm. just am I seen or am I not? Mm -hmm. Can I see them or can't I? Um, but I don't, this is all just me thinking about what we can do with gaming and it's, you know, we're hardware bound a little bit to some point. Um, and and we even see that with, with newer games. There's not a lot of that sort of stuff that's calculated in. The, the closest we get to it is destructible environments. And they've done, like, Battlefield Five is a great example. And they're doing really good stuff in that game. And But, you know, it's still not, like, super fine-tuned. Rainbow Six is another example where you can shoot holes in walls with shotguns, pistols. You can punch holes in walls. It, it, that's the most finely-grained destructibility I've seen in any game, period. And I, it's one of the things that really impresses me about it. Um, but try doing that on a scale of PUBG instead of on the scale of R6, mm. which is generally like a big house, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a lot for a server to keep track of. It's a lot of data to send from client to server, server to client. And, you know, we've we've made a lot of advances, but... Um, I don't know. I'm really interested to see where we'll be in five years with all of that. Mm -hmm. Think of Rainbow Six detail on the scale of mm. PUBG. Yeah, that would be that'd be <laughs> right. Like amazing. that's that's kind of the like people people are saying that uh, like ray tracing technology is is the like holy grail of 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 graphics, and I I I agree. Like representing light by using models of light instead of basically mimicking it as artist, which is what we've been doing. That makes sense. But I'm more excited about physics, mm. large scale physics mm -hmm. and how we can model that and having the computational power to do so. Um, and, and also the internet infrastructure to do so, which it would require. That's it, man. AT&T yeah. doesn't want your industry, your destructible environments. Yeah, which, you know, it's it's interesting because I wonder 
Um, like the United States in general is a little bit behind in that sense, right? Of having no, good internet. Isn't that speeds. ridiculous? Well, I mean, we're a big country, and it it there's reasons for it. It's a, it's a very similar to the transportation problem we have in our country of not having um, like high speed rail and things like that. And it's just that, like, look at Wyoming. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. All right. Fucking that's Wyoming. my argument. My argument is Wyoming. <laughs> my argument is where I'm from, South Dakota, <laughs> Kansas, Nevada, right? Like, sure, there's a lot of people in LA. Yeah, sure, there's a lot I of need... people in Houston, New York City, Washington, D.C., Seattle. Mm-hmm. But those places are fucking far apart from each other. That's <laughs> true. Right? And it, it, the same problem applies to internet. Right. Yeah, that's like, okay. Go ahead and lay a fiber optic between, the, <laughs> between all of those points and everything in between. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of fiber to put down for sure. Yeah, so um, I don't know. Our country, our, our world's gonna probably even out around 12 billion people, and we're around god, I don't even know the count now. It's around seven, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that the most likely place, this might be a more geographically biased thing, which doesn't work in a in a global society, where Europe has a pretty decent chance of developing this kind of game and having the infrastructure to support it, as long as there's hardware. Um, what I mean by them having the opportunity is the internet, because there's enough population density there, um, or Southern California, or you know parts of Asia. Mm, agreed. And but you know they're still going to need the graphics cards. They're still going to need the CPUs to run this stuff. <laughs> and in the United States, we might be trying to play the games with them, and we'll be the kind of invaders, you know, pulling the game behind because <laughs> we don't have the internet speeds to keep up with them. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't mm-hmm. surprise me, man. Wouldn't surprise me at yeah. all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, get moving on that Comcast. <laughs> Or te- or um, what is it? Uh, SpaceX, right? Is is supposed to be building global internet with um, balloons? Oh but, damn! Is that what they're doing? Yeah, I haven't really been tracking it's, that. Well, they've kind of um, it was a, it was a big you know kind of thing they were putting out a couple of years ago, and they've been experimenting with it. But we've been hearing less and less news about it. So I kind of suspect that the technology isn't quite as successful as they were envisioning and it's going to be a little ways out yet, but it was like, it was one of those things that should have been kind of like proof of concept should have been well in place by now. Mm. And we're not really seeing the proof in the pudding. So don't hold your breath. Mm. (laughs) Hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Fair enough, man. I, I hope they get it together. Yeah. It just, it'll take, we'll get it. Yeah. I'm sure of it, but it'll take a while. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that about wraps it up. I think so. <laughs> so the, the takeaway is have good internet and a good CPU. And uh, yeah, I think that's going to do our show for this week. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Winner Winner podcast. Just look in the show notes, people. That's all I'm going to say. Just Nice. Just look in the and- show notes. Just look in the show notes, join our Discord, hit up Spiffy Man, buy his music, yeah, buy. listen to him on Spotify, whatever. He does the, the the music for us, or he lets us use his music, I should say, for the intro and outro and some of our filler stuff. So we are grateful for that. Yeah, yeah. And 
Right on. All right. Well, thanks for leading this one, Arjuna. Yeah. Cheerio. I uh, All right. do what I can. All right. Take <laughs> See it you easy, guys next all. week. Ciao.